Jesus didn't leave a whole bunch of commandments. He left one. Love one another. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. I am, as always, your host and the chief recovering hypocrite around these parts, uh, Noel Jesse Haken. And this is episode 42. And I want to start by doing something I hate, but people keep telling me I have to do it, so I'm going to just do it. If you like this podcast, would you actually like this podcast? Would you subscribe and like and all that stuff? I'm I'm told I'm supposed to say that stuff, and it does help. It does help people hear about this. So if you do that, that'd be great. I don't care if you don't. If you hate it, still uh, like and subscribe because that would still help. So today, I am thrilled to hang out with one of my favorite people. Uh, Greg Surratt is with us today, and we met, gosh, I was trying to remember. Greg, do you have any idea how long ago we met? I have no, it was, I don't want to admit how long ago it was. So here's what what I'm thinking. At the time we were part of this group uh, and the, it was a cohort of young pastors that were pastoring big churches and they paired us up with old pastors pastoring big churches. And at that time I was the young pastor. You were the old pastor. And I was the old pastor. And now we are the old pastor and the oldest dirt pastor. <laughs> and, there you go. That's about right. So, that's, a, that's a great way to introduce So the it. thing is, yeah. yeah, I just I can't remember how long ago, but I had no gray beard. None of that was the case back then. Yeah. Um, but Greg and I see each other two or three times a year. We run into each other both inside the country and outside the country, and always enjoy uh, spending time with you. And so what we want to do before we get started is I'm going to give three publicly available pieces of information about you so people know who you are. And then I'm going to have you give us three not so public uh, or you don't have to get really deep and private, but at least things that people wouldn't quite know about you. So the three public pieces of information. Number one, you're the founding pastor of Seacoast Church, which you have now retired from being the lead pastor of. And I believe your son, Josh, is now in that role. Yes. Uh, public True. information number two, you are the co-founder of ARC, which is the Association of Related Churches, which is by far one of my favorite organizational names of all time. Uh, um, <laughs> ARC, a church planning network. And third, you are a diehard Cubbies fan. And it's something we've been able to bond over. In 2016, we actually sat in easy chairs in a lobby of a hotel in England and watched the World Series together. Yeah, that was great. In fact, it was, we, as I remember it, we, and by the way, thank you for uh, having me be a part of this. You are one of my favorite people too. We just love to talk and hang out when we can. Um, but uh, we we worked very hard at a conference, very hard. They would work us like from dogs seven in the morning, yes, until around eleven at night, ten thirty or eleven at night. And then uh, when everybody went to bed, we turned the Cubs on at midnight and pulled all nighters. And uh, we did that a couple of nights in a row, and it felt good as old guys to be able. Oh to yeah, work. and my son was there with us, and uh, so he was the young guy keeping us awake. But it was a lot of fun, to just, and the Cubs won that year. So uh, I will always be able to remember yeah. what year that was, even though I don't remember the year that we met. So tell us three things that people may not know about you. Well, um, I, I didn't want to be a pastor. Uh, I thought I was going to be a rock star. 
and uh, that didn't work out. So I became a pastor. So, so do you, are, are you a singer? That's are kind you of the singer? short story. Are you story. a guitar player, a harpist? What are you like? I was a I was a keyboard player in a band, and um, and uh, one of the guitar players went on to become uh, what Guitar Player Magazine a few years ago called the best guitarist in the world, and and uh, he he went into country music. So anything that was recorded, you know, from the '90s to early 2000s probably had his name on it. That's somewhere. amazing. And uh, but he said this. He said the one time I had him here at the church and. I said, how good was I back in the day? And he said, well, in Nashville, he said, you have two kinds of musicians. Uh, you have, some have talent and some have instruments. And he said, you had instruments. So you were <laughs> talent adjacent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that cut short a, a promising career in rock and roll music. But, did you ever uh, play the, did you ever play the guitar? One... You know, the, no, the keyboard. I I, that was kind of after, after my time. time. Yeah. 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 I played guitar and keyboards. In fact, I collect guitars now. That's a second thing, is I have a, a, a small guitar collection. I what is your favorite doing. guitar that you've got in your collection? You know, it's crazy because um, uh, I was a worship leader. Uh, in fact, when we started our church, I led worship. And my favorite guitar is called a Tacoma, uh, which was only made for about nine years. And uh, so the one that I led worship on uh, it hangs on my wall and uh, that's my favorite I've got you know Les Pauls and Stratocasters and all that kind of stuff but just this old beater guitar uh, just kind of has you know because our favorites uh, always have a story yeah. around them and I think that's what that yeah. is so yeah. what's the number three so, third thing that people don't know as much about you number three is uh, I don't know you know I like to fish <laughs> uh, redfish in fact, I just got me a little little boat, it's 15 feet long. I imagine myself as the old man in the sea, <laughs> just me against the, the ocean and, you know, the, the, the big red fish. So anyway, that's what I enjoy doing in my off time. All right. So the reason I wanted to invite you in particular on here is, first of all, I, I just miss seeing your face. And so since we haven't been able will be around each other because of COVID, just that's my real excuse. But... Um, what I wanted to talk about is just this question of what things does the typical pastor out there wish that his congregation knew? Now, you've been a pastor or pastor adjacent for how long? I hate to date you like this. Oh, wow. Like when, um, when did you guys launch Seacoast? 32 years, 32 years ago, we launched Seacoast. And then for eight and a half years before that... We were in Northern Illinois. That's where I became a Cubs fan. And uh, so 40 years, yes. you know. So in, and, years. and you've interacted with hundreds, if not thousands of pastors. And so you're a guy that has mm -hmm. credibility in this space. And it feels kind of weird to even talk about this as a pastor to another pastor. It's kind of like I did a blog post a couple of months ago about three things that I wish everyone would pray for their pastor during this season. 
And it feels weird to say that. It's like, look at me, look at me, pray for me, pray for me. And so I hate the kind of the post of here's the things that your you know your pastor really wants for pastor appreciation month, you know, because it's like it's like right. I guess it is pastor. It appreciation is. Well, appreciate yeah. So yeah. but you know, it's like it's like putting yeah. off the Amazon wish list, right? So, but really, yeah. um, in your experience, are there common things that pastors just wish other their congregation knew you know and covid has exaggerated everything okay uh i think we've spent too much time in our houses have you ever spent too much time in your own head i mean i think we all have i think that's happening right now we've watched way too much fox news or cnn or whatever your flavor is and uh but it's exaggerated everything but uh uh, right now, you know, just w- one simple thing is uh, every pastor would love their congregation to know that they're doing the best mm. they can. <laughs> they really are. I know um, uh, it has become just toxic, you know, the yeah. conversation um, outside the church and now it's inside the church. In fact, when the, the, uh, the, the George Floyd uh, death and, uh, murder happened. Uh, I told my wife, I said, uh, you know, I've been in ministry 40 years and I think that this will be the most challenging leadership season that I've ever lived through. And our kids and, you know, whoever's in ministry has lived through, uh, with the COVID. And then, um, uh, we experienced the suicide of of a friend of yours and who was a pastor yeah. on our staff in the midst of that. And then you've got the, the racial um, uh, component to it. And then you throw, throw on top of that, a, uh, a, a presidential race, you know, in, in the middle of it, that just seems crazy. And uh, uh, so, so there was a family in our church that were coming in to uh, tell um, my son, who is the lead pastor now, you know, uh, how could I say this? They were making gentle su- uh, uh, suggestions about how how wrongly he was handling <laughs> everything at that time. You know, I've never seen anything like it. We've got maskers and anti-maskers. I don't know. You probably don't have. Uh, that oh. You're not. You're not meeting. <laughs> no, but uh, we still have the you? maskers and the anti-maskers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've got them in the church, and uh, you know, and, and it goes on and on and on. And I remember Joshua's answer to them at the end was he was a little, he was a little torqued, I think, but he said, uh, listen, I will make you this commitment. I've made mistakes. He was just real honest about that. And he said, the next time we have a worldwide pandemic and we have a suicide of a pastor and we have racial tension and an election, I will make much better decisions. I'll guarantee you that. And the, the point of it is, is that it's a, it's hard for everybody. And these are difficult when you have to make choices that impact a lot of people. Well, you know, I was talking to, yeah, you, do you know, Trike, Steve Trikler up in Minneapolis? And, and so, so sure he is uh, actually nine pastor up there, Hope Church, and just in the neighborhood of the George Floyd situation. Um, and so he's mm-hmm. right in the midst of all of that. And he, uh, again, mutual friend of ours that uh, that passed away from suicide. So we, he's been in the midst of a lot of that as well. And mm-hmm. 
he when he was meeting with someone from his church who was giving gentle suggestions, of course, uh, his yeah. response was, I think you're right. I don't agree with myself. But I've <laughs> and he said, but I've never done this before. And and I do think that one of the common elements that I'm seeing with pastors that I'm talking to is godly congregation members, church members that have loved and respected and followed their leader in unpopular decisions, forget how uh, loving and godly and, and, and good decision maker these pastors are in the season. And they kind of throw out all of the history that they've had with these pastors um, when the pastor makes the wrong decision in this, you know, this trifecta moment that you're describing, this toxic trifecta we're yeah. in. And, and, and they're not offering the grace to the pastor that the pastors have often given them in the midst of their really crappy decision making, if I'm really blunt. Oh, yeah. And, and just oh, seeing that over and over. It's true. Yeah, it's, yeah, um, you know, we live in a cancel culture uh, that, you know, we've pointed fingers at the left, especially because of, you know, how they have canceled, you know, actors and politicians and their own friends for saying things that weren't woke. Um, but that has come into the church. There's, it's one strike and you're out. You know, if you, uh, make a decision that seems to be uh, well here, here's here's something else I'm seeing too and you know I, I don't want to sound like a sour grapes pastor I, I love people and you know there have been people that have been so generous and so you know I can't imagine oh yeah life-giving you know, in this season there, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've seen people that have said you know I'm not sure I agree with your decision on this but boy I, I can understand how hard it is to make mm. that. And, you know, you know, that's, that's okay. Uh, but, but you, you're, it's like, if you say the wrong thing or you don't say it, like they say it on, you know, Fox news or CNN or whoever it happens to be, which is, I think is a source of discipleship to a lot of our people. Oh, right yeah. Now. Um, uh, then, then uh, it's, it's one, one strike and, and you're out. And, and it's hard. It's difficult. I, I would say to congregations, your your pastor is probably not beholden to, you know, the the left or the right or whatever it is that you think is forcing him or is is coercing him to make the decisions that he's making. He's just trying to do the best he can for the church in the moment. You know, I had a friend. Uh, this is about a week and a half ago. He texted me and said, "Hey, do you have five minutes to talk?" And my heart sank because I thought this is going to be another conversation. This is a godly brother who I know has not always agreed with all the decisions we've made during the season. And I thought, okay, he's leaving the church. And so I, I steeled myself, girded my loins, picked up the phone, called him. And he said, hey, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I've been sharing uh, the gospel with this Muslim coworker of mine. And uh, he, he stumped me at a question I just wanted to talk to you about. And in that moment, I realized how much I missed those conversations. 
because so many of the conversations these days are around disagreement on you're too conservative, you're too liberal, you got the race thing wrong on one side or the other, or both on the same weekend. Both, um, both uh, the, your your mask policy hour. is inconsistent, yeah. which it probably is, or, or whatever. Yeah. But this this brother, we talked about, we just I just had this great theological conversation with him. And at the end, he said, you know, I haven't always agreed with all the decisions you're made, but gosh, I'm so glad you guys are making them. So go get them. We're on your team. Uh, and I didn't yeah, even. That's most and it people. Is. It, it most is people. most people. And I would say, and again, this this is that awkward moment where as a pastor talking about these things, you're always like, oh, I hope people don't think I'm doing the Amazon wish list. But here's the thing. Uh, let your pastor know. I do think that right now yes. in this season, um, even a simple note or an email or a text, something to say, even if you disagree with him, just say, hey, you know what? Love you. Know these are hard decisions. We're in your corner. Because I think that the people who the vast majority of people are in their pastor's corner, it is a very small, very vocal minority that's not, but they're very vocal. Right. And so we very need the vocal. supportive folks, even the supportive folks who disagree to be vocal during this season. I think your pastor would love that. I I agree. And and I've read studies that say that um uh, 70% of pastors are at least discouraged, if not depressed right mm -hmm. now. And so if you're a congregation member, just assume that they're a little down and uh, uh, a, a kind word will, you can live, you can live several hours just on a kind word. And so, no, that's, that's exactly what would be that would be wonderful. You, you know, there's wonderful. a group of a dozen pastors I get together with a couple times a year. And during the be beginning of COVID, we met and we met outside, you know, big circle, socially distanced. And everybody was just grappling with, okay, there's some tough decisions coming. And then we met again about a month ago. And to a man in that circle, they had all considered quitting. And these mm -hmm. guys were broken down and beat up. And I, and, and I don't think it's, yep. it's just the way I, I think people, there's the old cliche, Hey, yeah. Pastors work one hour a week, right. On, you know, Sunday morning. And yeah. then the rest of the week they're sitting around at the yeah. desk wondering why you're not visiting. Um, but the weight has been heavy with a lot of these guys. And, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here. So, um, because uh, you understand that weight. you've been around a lot of these young guys. Yeah, I get, you know, I get calls, um, and talk to people almost daily and there it's exactly what we're talking about now not all of it is you know the uh, the harsh email or i'm leaving that's the big piece that's the piece that goes directly to your heart uh, but everything's changed uh, you know you'll find when you start meeting again you you're, you guys will be meeting again someday uh, we started uh, you know just a few weeks ago and uh, it's not the same. It just is not the same. It's wonderful to be together, wonderful to be together, but uh, you know, uh, it twenty percent, thirty percent, forty percent is a huge gathering of what it was pre pre COVID, and um, uh, there are uh, and there are a lot of reasons that people don't regather. You know, I mean, there are people that legitimately, I. I talked to a nurse today or yesterday that uh, that works on my nose, which is a full-time <laughs> job. But anyway, you know, she said, uh, hey, listen, you know, 
looking forward to coming back. How is it? But I'm just not ready mm-hmm. yet. You yeah. know, I watch all the time. I'm not ready. I've got a close friend, really close friend, who uh, told, told me, uh, we were playing golf together when he told me, and he said, you know, I love you. I love the church. We're going to continue to give all of that. He said, you'll see me there again when there is a, a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and that that, and then you've got others that started watching early on and have kind of drifted from that. Uh, so, it, it, you know, we've just all got to got to deal with all. You know, of that. It makes me think one of the things that would be really good just for people to know is that there are a lot of voices. So I, I think mm-hmm. we all have a tendency. Every one of us has a tendency to naturally gravitate toward an echo chamber where we're hearing our, our viewpoints that validate our own. And, and social yeah. media doesn't help that. Uh, your pastor is hearing from people all over the place. And, and there are people who are just as convictionally on the other side of your opinion as you are, yeah, talk, whatever, whatever your, your opinion, opinion is, is, there's somebody else yeah. on the other side uh, talking in his other ear and he's having to weigh all those decisions out. Um, and so that's part of the way, well, you know, you yeah. know, well, and I've never seen a time uh, where um, uniformity, not unity, mm. uniformity is a huge value. Uh, if, if, if you don't vote the same as me, if you don't, talk the same as me if you don't see life the same as i do uh i'm gonna shut you out it's the echo chamber it's i'm hearing this and so i go to church uh which i think uh, the optimal church is going to have people of all kinds in there you know i mean it's it's going to have every race it's going to have every political persuasion it's going to have every viewpoint about god from uh you know it'd be great to have a few atheists sprinkled in every weekend and uh, all the way to those who are radically committed to god in every decision making area of their life and so i think i speak for a lot of pastors that's what we'd love to see and then we'd love to see all of these people learning to love one another because that's what it's all about jesus didn't leave a whole bunch of commandments he left one love one another okay Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself and over and over and over again, love, love each other, uh, stand for the, the, the unity of the faith. And, and so if you can have all these diverse people that are learning to love each other well, then you've got a healthy, growing uh, individuals and growing church. And, and the, the, the situation we're in right now, it's not that. It's not unity. It's uniformity. And I don't think that's good at all for our country or for our church. Well, you you know, it's, you know, in Ephesians 4, where Paul, he he gives this command that we ought to make every effort to keep or maintain the unity that we have in the bond through the bond of peace. And so there's this this idea that in Christ, we are already unified, whether you like Mm -hmm. it or not. Um, with all of your theological craziness, uh, Greg, we're going to still be in glory together. We're going to, f- yeah. and, and, I'll, and be I, section, I, I'll be in the section marked, he was right, and Noel will be in the <laughs> section, nice try. <laughs> and the beauty of it is, we won't care. 
like care the, now. The, 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 I, don't care. I don't care now either. But the joy of eternity is all that stuff is going to melt away because we will be unified in the spirit. Yeah, so we we're already unified. So what we do now, our com- the command, the love one another command for us in unity is to make every effort that we can to keep that, mm-hmm. to maintain that through the bond of peace. And mm-hmm. so our posture ought to be in the season, how do I make every effort? What what bit of effort am I not making that I ought to make That's to keep good. this thing that we've been promised ain't going anywhere? That is so good. And the, uh, the, the uh, society and community that we live in has an opposite value. And we need to recognize that. And uh, when it, uh, it when we're bombarded by it, we need to realize no, this is ground zero. This is where this this is what the church is. And uh, Ephesians you know, four is very clear. You know, a buddy of mine was saying, and this is I've not been able to shake this for months. He said this months ago. He said he became a pastor in an age of fundamentalism, where he had to learn how to, or where the church was fundamentalist, and he had to learn how to preach to a relativistic society. Mm-hmm. And now, just at the time he's figured out how to preach to a relativistic society, our society has become fundamentalist. Okay. Like you good. said, like, and the society says, we must be uniform. And if you do one thing wrong, you're out. Think about the, the culture's posture toward people who quote unquote sin against that culture in the way that the culture considers sin is exactly how the fundamentalist Christians did in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. And it so is. now the script has flipped and now pastors going back to that whole idea of what do we wish people knew? We're now having to figure out how to preach to a new culture. We're like missionaries in a new culture, learning a new language. But you know, what's exciting to me, I agree 100%, but what's exciting to me, what keeps me going is that we have the the cure. We have the cure for what ails our society. We don't have the cure for the coronavirus. They'll figure that out. That's not the problem. We have the cure. And uh, uh, the, the, you call it fundamentalist, you know, the cancel culture, uh, the you've got to see it my way or hit the highway or I'm hitting the highway or whatever. No, that doesn't live well. It just doesn't live well. It doesn't breed peace. Uh, it doesn't breed, uh, you know, a, a sense of, of uh, wholeness and fullness in my own life. It doesn't live well, but the gospel does live well. And we have the gospel. And so if we can kind of plow through, you know, this crazy time, I think on the other side of it, we have a message that uh, is going to resonate. You know, and and like you said earlier, I, I don't think we have any idea what things are going to look like on the other side of this this crazy season. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't. And so now there is an opportunity for us to both stand firm on the gospel of Jesus as our only thing. This is it. This is all we got. And then to innovate in this culture and figure out new ways to reach people for Christ in this culture. And I think that um, both of those things are going to cause us to get shots again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You stand for the gospel, you try to innovate in this culture, you're going to take shots. But it's going to be an exciting opportunity 
for us to reach some people for Christ that maybe would never have considered his claims before if we have the right posture. I think our posture of grace toward a cancel culture and our posture of grace in, in the midst of a cancel culture is going to be our apologetic. People are going to see love in us that um, that they're not going to know what to do with. Well, you know, that's almost biblical. Almost. Where, where Jesus said, they'll know that you're my disciples by what you think about the Trinity or... <laughs> or your charismatic or, views or your politics. Your right? politics. No, he said, they're going to know in the midst of all of that by your love for one another. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's not rocket science. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and uh, that's kind of how you do it. Well, Greg, one of the things I've always loved about you is um, you don't have a tribal bone in your body. And uh, you love Christians, you love non-Christians, you love pastors of all kinds of stripes and tribes. And I wonder if we could kind of flip this whole conversation for a moment and have you speak to the pastors, to these pastors, especially young pastors who are Man, maybe they're, they're they were trying to plant a church in the middle of this, or they've mm-hmm. they 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 don't have a lot of experience. Uh, we both you and I had the advantage of older guys in our lives that were there for us. Some of these guys don't have anybody like that. Speak to them like as, as a, a pastoral father. Like, sure. what advice do you have for them in this season? Well, number one, um, you need to realize, and and you probably do that. Uh, this COVID and all that we've gone through isn't a surprise to God, okay? It's real hard to surprise an omniscient God. Now, I'm not going to go into, you know, all the, the things that are potentially theological about that. But um, so if that's the case, then he has purpose in the middle of it, even if he didn't cause it, all right? And part of the purpose is some of the things that we've been talking about is that he wants to love the world better through you and through the church that you're creating. I believe that God is pruning his church right now. I really, really do. He's he's pruning the church uh, uh, as well as getting us back to absolute uh, fundamentals of our faith. And the exciting part about it is that um, uh, this can be the most creative innovative time of the church. Uh, What worked then is probably not going to work afterwards. All right. And so uh, I heard uh, Andy Stanley talking today uh, in a podcast about um, uh, they're not even talking about uh, restarting. They're talking about starting over, starting up. Mm, Yeah. uh, Yeah. That's great. With a startup, there's a lot of, you know, with all of our churches, there are things that should have died a long time ago. Guess what? During COVID, they all died. <laughs> you, you, you don't have to start it all back up. Okay. You can, you can say, Hey, this was working. This wasn't, what are some new innovative ways that we can reach? And I think, I really think that the, there's some young guys out there that are going to buck the system. And, um, uh, this is your time. This really is your time. And, uh, you, 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 you know, one of the things that we have done, you know, both of us have been a part of that, is uh, kind of uh, disrupting how church is done, okay? And uh, we were able to disrupt it through the multi-site 
that deal. And you guys, I know, do the same thing. And and then through the way you do a weekend service and uh, church planting and so that just disrupted the system. Well, there's going to be some young guys and some of them are listening right now who God's going to use you to disrupt the system. And uh, what looks like sometimes when it looks like things are falling apart, they're just falling together. They really are. And so I want you to see that and know that, that God is in the middle of this and uh, just get your, your godly creativity and let it go crazy and uh, show, show the old guys like Noel and I, how you do church in this age, because some of you are going to figure it out. Mm. You know, I, I, it, that makes me think of one of the greatest gifts that I was given in our church was uh, the the guys who were there before me, the guys who were 20 years my senior who'd been laboring hard when I came on board. Um, when they noticed that I was kind of like a bottle rocket bouncing around on the, the glass ceiling of our organization, instead of trying to stamp me out, they opened a skylight oh, and said, good. let's just see what happens. You know, and I think for old guys like us, that takes a tremendous amount of humility. Yes, and, and and the fact that these guys were willing to, I remember, you know, Scott Thomas, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Scott Thomas, who was the uh, executive director of Acts 29, is now down mm-hmm. in Nashville as an executive pastor. He once said, when a, a young leader comes into the church, he comes in like a wild stallion and you got two options. You can either cut his yes. off and make him into a mule, a jackass, a that can only haul stuff around with his dippy back and just yep, like, you yep. just, or you can break him and turn him into a racehorse. Mm-hmm. So I want to challenge the old guys like Greg and I out there. Let's not bust these guys during the season. Let's That's break good. them. Let's make racehorses out of them instead of making pack mules out of them. Let's uh, let's get out so of their good. way. Let's train these guys. Let's set them loose. Let's marvel at the crazy churches they launch and the crazy ways that they decide to do ministry. And let's be their biggest cheerleaders. So Scott Thomas, if you're listening to this, I am going to use that. I may or may not give you credit because I may forget where it came from, but that's gold. It is. It is. It is. All right. So today I'd like to end on a, 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 just a crazy note, just a side note. This is one of those seasons where everybody is like you said, stuck inside, never spent so much time inside. And we find ourselves binging stuff. Yes. And I want to know if you have any recommendations for something that you have binged or you are binging. It could be anything that yes. you would encourage people go binge on this thing. Oh, Give us some like, binging advice. You really want to know? I really want to. <laughs> for those you can't see him on video, he checked behind him to make sure no one was looking. I want to hear it. Designated survivor. I've been binging and watching that. Uh, I've probably gotten almost up to season three and uh, it just, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I also did Tiger King. I, that's a confession. Um, <laughs> I've, I've been cleansed from that, but I did binge on that, that and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That's, oh, that's, what, that's my go-to. Always. So, so here, let me, here's my question for designated survivor. Is yes. it continuing? Is it still in production? I think it is. It's in a. It's in its uh, uh, second. Um, 
In other words, uh, the whatever channel did it before isn't doing it now, but somebody different is. And so, okay. Because uh, yeah. that's one of those shows that my wife and I started to watch because we love Kiefer Sutherland and we're old yes. 24 fans. Yeah. But uh, we were afraid that that was going to be one that was going to get cut off. We were going to get wrapped up in the story. And then all of a sudden, there's no well, end. Well, it might. It might. But... I love it. I just, uh, yeah, we, my wife and I sit down at night and we watch Designated Survivor. Well, whenever you're done with that, my wife and I, um, we watch a lot of, uh, there's a lot of Korean TV that gets watched in our house. Um, and yes. my wife and my son watch a lot of Korean dramas. And so the only thing that pops up in our Netflix feed is Korean dramas. And there is a Korean version of Designated Survivor. Is there now, really? I have not watched it yet, but it is on Netflix and it's subtitled. So I don't know if it's any good, but when well, you guys get done, it might be worth switching over to see how the South Koreans do it. It could be. The way, hey, listen, real quick. The way we started watching Designated Survivor. So we had a seacoaster here. That's what we call them when they come to church here. That ended up. We have, we the, have Rivites at our church. Yeah, there you go. That, that ended up in the White House in the West Wing. Uh, was the um, uh, the uh, Homeland Security Advisor to the President. And so on uh, uh, Valentine's Day, when everybody was gone a couple of years ago, we went up and visited him. He gave us a little tour through the West Wing. And we went into the Situation Room, and uh, which is just really, really cool. You oh, know, to yeah. Be oh, yeah. And uh, uh, then uh, 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 we asked him, we had heard about Designated Survivor, and uh, we asked him, we said, does do things like that really happen? And he said, yes. Not that they blow up the Capitol building, but every time they have the State of the Union speech, somebody is a designated survivor and they take them somewhere. And, uh, 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 you know, and so I was hooked. I, I went home and had to watch the rest of it. Yeah, and well, so there you go. Kind of had a little inside <laughs> peek at it. Well, there you go, Greg. It has been a joy uh, to chat with you. I appreciate you and all the all that you have poured into pastors, myself in particular. You have been more of an outsized influence on my life than you will probably ever know. And I'm very thankful for you. And uh, someday in glory, uh, there's going to be a line of people that are going to shake your hand and thank you because of the impact that you had with their pastors that impacted their churches. And so hopefully I'll be able to make it through the line to say hi to you. That's oh, you're too nice. Too nice. Love you, man. Love hanging with you. Look forward to being in Europe again someday. And, someday. Uh, maybe watching the Cubs. Who knows? Mm-hmm.